Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. You're number one. <laughs> I thought that was a bird. Now I'm turning to look at the listeners. Are you a regular listener? Why not? Subscribe to the Practical Guitarist using your chosen podcast app. Take the time to put in a review at the service where you found our podcast, like iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Get involved. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Practical Guitarist. If you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can do so at questions at practicalguitarist.com. And no, this was not sped up. Wow, that was quick. <laughs> Holy crap. And I managed to articulate all of that. What is wrong with me? I know. Normally, I can't even get it right. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about some of the things. We talked about a little bit about the, um, the kids in garage bands, right? Let's talk about can you hear the difference? So no. I was in one of the podcast groups that I will name. It was the Shang Zay group. I sent you a oh. link. Oh, shit. We're all no, fucked up. No, no. Listen, listen. <laughs> so this guy says, oh, man. I don't. I don't hear the problems that people have with the with these with these guitars. Sounds fine to me. And then he goes, and I'm going to play Autumn Leaves. I want to say it was Autumn Leaves, one of the one of the jazz standards. And um, the uh, the guy goes, well, I'm going to play uh, you know this jazz standard. And he says, and I hope you know you guys enjoy it. It's not a rock thing. Well, anyway, then he goes to play it, and it's like, plink, plink, plink. Plink, plink, yeah, plink. pretty. Yeah, and so I don't want to pick on any. Not exaggerating. No, it was it was pretty bad. So, and and obviously the guy's a beginner. I'm not putting anybody down. You, beginner, everybody starts somewhere, and not everybody is great. I mean, I know I'm not great. So here's the thing, though. Um, so it's it. Here's my my thing. When you when you go to say that, oh, I can't tell. That this pro- this guitar is having a problem. I think we we talked about this before. If you're gonna play the guitar low volume through a pair of earbuds, earbuds, not even headphones, earbuds, and uh, you're going to play it into software, don't talk about what it. <laughs> you you know what I mean? I, I don't even know how to articulate what I'm trying to say, except that you're not really playing the gosh darn guitar here it, it. jim i'm gonna i'm gonna step in yes when I, when I play my guitar through headphones it does not sound like it do it do it does <laughs> it, it does not sound like it do when i play <laughs> my amp it does and not that's sound because, like the same do do because when you have the speaker, and I'm playing with my headphones for Jim right now, when you have your speaker less than an inch away from your head or inside your ear, yes, it's not the same as having six foot or eight foot or ten foot or twenty feet or thirty feet worth of air for that sound to disperse in. Absolutely. And before it finally hits you. Even using impulse responses is not the same sound no. as having that that billowing thing that happens in, in physical air. So we talked about a little bit about, will you give up your cabinet? One of the things that happens when you give up your cabinet is you give that up. 
Because yep. no matter how good your IR is, your IR is based on what? What's the IR? A mic'd signal. Absolutely. And you can change the position of the mic in, an, in a good IR, right? In some of the IRs. Yeah, they, say, they give you choices. You can use a different IR for different mic placements. Right. You can say, I want a ribbon mic um, at you know midway in the cone, six inches from the cabinet. Which, by the way, I'm using the Celestian Impulse responses right now, and they are freaking fantastic. So if you're looking for some, just spend the money and get them. Mm -hmm. But the point is that you don't hear the same thing. And, and it's true. So, that, so we go to that, that conversation, can I give up my cabinet on stage? Some people can't. No, they can't. They need that feeling of their pants legs moving. That's right. And you know what? I, I, I am one of those guys. I still prefer it that way. But that doesn't mean I can't live without it. Like, if I had to go sans amp, and not the company, if I had to go without an amp, I would be totally okay with no speaker on stage. I could, I can do it. I, I can muscle it. my way. I can muscle my way through it. It's fine. Right. I do it. Um, now, do I prefer it? Absolutely not. Obviously not. So that's why you still got a cabinet back there. Why do you, right. Why do you think I paid money for that little cabinet right there? That's that's not the the um that's not the center of of everything but okay so um obviously then what is the most important ingredient when it comes to guitar pedals chords amp head cabinet what's the most important that, ingredient that's simple that's simple jim sure fix no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Your pick. No, I I think it's a lot more complicated than that. I think so. When you we talk about rigs, I wish people would stop using the term because we're not truckers. Right. Um, I think it's a system, and I think that right. system has to be weighted in the way that you want it. So if you have a guitar that sounds a certain way, it's not going to sound good with every amp you plug it into. Right. You might have a varying degrees of success, but. Generally speaking, like the guitar sound you're after is probably either going to come from a Marshall style amp, a Vox style amp, or a Fender style amp because it's really the only three that are out there. Right. Um, even your Marshall or even your Mesas are derivative of a Fender sound. I mean, right. obviously they're not Fenders, um, right. but that's where they they descend from. So my point is that uh, uh, so I, are Marshalls. In my own personal example, I got my S500. I bought it because I had a I had an attachment to that guitar from my youth. Um, I did not really, I mean, I knew what it was going to sound like, but I didn't know what effect it was going to have on my overall rig. And I literally sold my amp. I sold all the pedals I had on my board at that time. And I ended up kind of like rebuilding my rig around that guitar because I started to understand this doesn't have a lot of treble. I need something with more treble. I need something with more mids. I need something where I can cut the bass more. Like there is just different pieces of this whole puzzle that were coming together because I chose a different guitar. And I think we all do that to varying degrees. Just because a pedal sounds good with a Strat doesn't mean that pedal's going to sound, and the classic example is a Fuzz Face, doesn't mean that that sounds good with a Les Paul or an SG. Right. And and that same pedal may not sound great with Fender Head A, but it might sound awesome with Fender Even Head B. And that comes down even to the same, like different models from the same year, right? I mean, it's it can be that infinitesimal, and you could drive yourself mad going through all these infinite variations of how do I get the sound I want. Now, um, I uh, I was watching Anderton did this thing where Anderson meets so and so. He had Joe Morgan on on the show. Okay, Morgan amps. 
Yeah, so, and um, I, I'm a big fan of some of the Morgan Amps. I've played a couple of them that I really, really like. Okay, now he's a Vox guy. He's yeah, even got not this big old though. tattoo of a Vox tube. Which is he, funny, because not all the, the ones I like are not Vox derivative, yeah. explicitly. And so, um, he was talking about that, and he even said um, himself, he said, I could take a, a box of tubes from the same shipment, from the same company, the same date, blah, blah, blah. They all sound different. Yep. And he's right. Now, here, this is, can you hear this? Because no. not everybody can hear that difference. No, most people can't. In fact, uh, I went to a guy's house. Um, I auditioned for this guy a long time ago now, probably five years ago. I uh, went into his house, and he was you know, touting his gear. He had a pair of uh, PV... I want to say they were triple X's, uh-huh. but I don't know. I they were JSX's, I think. Now that I think about it more, and he had that uh, one was configured with six L6's, and the other was con- configured with the L34's. Really? And he's like, "This one is for my lead sound, and this one's for my rhythm sound." And he's switching back and forth with him. And I, honestly, even sitting in the room with his with his cab trumped up and his amps turned up, I I couldn't tell the damn difference. Okay, now let me ask you something. Why couldn't you tell the difference? What was it, it that his sound was so so driven by the preamp right. that I just don't think that he really was getting the total difference he thought he was from the from the power amp. Maybe if he was cranking them at you know half volume or something, and he was starting to get the power tubes to cook, that you hear a little bit of sag or compression that was different. Yep. But I wasn't getting any of that in the room because um, we were playing probably. He was probably using maybe he was at one or two probably, but it, but he was no he was vehemently defending it though he was sitting there going no obviously this is different than this and I'm just like yeah it sure is you know like I'm on an yeah, I'm nodding your head you. yep, I'm not gonna yep. tell you you're fucking full of shit yeah um, but uh, when you know he's full of shit he's full of more shit than a Christmas moose I can tell you this <laughs> you know and we've all done we've all done it where we've had a tube amp and when we turn it up to five it sounds fucking good and when you turn it down to one it sounds like shit. <laughs> it, it, so. absolutely and, and i can tell you right now that there, there have been times when somebody asked me to turn down i get to a point where i can't get any tone out of my amp yeah you're like that's tough fuck yeah, it. i'm not fighting like, this tough. amp anymore I, if i can't get to a certain point in an amp especially tube amps folks i i, I you know that's why i'm sticking with 22 between 20 and 25 watts is my sweet spot if i go down to 15 i don't have enough headroom mm-hmm. and if i go any higher than 15 then I'm, you know, or any higher than 25 watts, then I'm, then I'm in territory where I'm going to be pissing people off. Right. It's just, it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Now with the tube maestro, I'm lucky I can get it to right around four and I can push that 18 watts and really, really get a great tone out. Yes. If I put my mace on four, people are covering their ears. Oh yeah. (laughs) But I don't, I don't ever get it that high. Honestly, the Mark V sounds great at like three. Yeah, but I can dial. The beauty of it is, I can dial it out to five, five watts, yeah. and I can still get tone. Well, I got I got a five and twenty five switch on mine too, yeah. or ten and twenty five. But here's the so here's the thing. So can you really hear that tone? Now, sometimes I think what, here's what I I think a lot of demos lack, and we see it all the time. And it's not the not the pro demos. It's not Tom Quayle. It's not. Yeah, they're um, not showing you the the comparison. Right. It's not those guys. It's or you can't hear it because their mic is shit. You know, right. it's Billy Joe Jim Bob who's got his camera uh, phone in the room, or um, 
uh, you know, somebody else who who has. Here's the thing: if you're going to use camera phone, that that's fine. Just don't crank it because you're you're saturating your stuff. Get it down to a level where at least the, if you're going to use that, if that is going to be your your source, make that make it reasonable. Um, but here's yeah, the God, God help us. It's not going to sound great though. I right. mean, like let's be honest. You're it's not if I stuck right. this microphone that I'm talking into right now in front of an amp. That's going to be infinitely better than that fucking cell phone mic. I don't care how quiet the goddamn amp is. But here's the thing. So whether the, the person uses a good mic or not, it's when they crank distortion. Sure. It's like, here's this guitar. It sounds just as good as guitar A and B. See, I can't tell the difference. Well, if the guitar tone is so overly distorted, it's like, here it is. Well, yeah, great. But you're so distorted, anything's gonna sound the same. You could plug in, you know, you're you're um, not gonna shoot out guitars with a Mesa triple rec on ten. Right, that's what I'm getting at, and, and that's what happens. You see a lot of these shootouts, and it's like, okay, or they'll they'll do the 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 thing. Here it is, neck pickup, clean, 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 middle pick, you know, middle position, clean, you know, bridge pickup clean and then they go okay now dirty and they it's like yeah it goes right from clean to like full-on like totally saturated insanity no give us some of that just turn that that line six insane sound you know (laughs) and Um, then the same people go wow line six spiders suck well yeah but you just got done showing me every guitar like it would sound through a line six spider pal so, right, right. So, I just, agree. 100%. I'm just saying. So, here's the thing: when when it comes to can I hear the difference? We all do this. We 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 go to buy a new piece of gear, right? I just went through trying to figure out which um, delay I wanted. Luckily, delay is more of a an effect of time, kind of like a parsec is distance, Han Solo, not time. Anyway. Um, <laughs> the um, uh, only if you trust the expanded universe, Jim. Yeah, exactly. So, um, no. So, so a delay is 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 the sound of time. But if somebody over distorts, like I'd hear people, they would they would do the um the carbon copy because I wanted to see what the carbon copy would sound like. How about you just play me something? Believe it or not, most of them would sit there and go. They do that that um bucket brigade thing. So they go. Whoa, 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 yeah, they would get to oscillate. I'm like, oh, great. You just showed awesome. me how it can oscillate forever. But you know what you haven't shown me? How does it sound when I go in and out of a, a solo? How does it sound if I play, you know, uh, this way? How does it sound if I put it in in front of the amp versus in the none of that? So I'm just saying. Um, my big problem with demos and the A-B testing stuff is A, they don't A-B test, so you see a pedal review and they don't compare it to anything else. That right. drives me crazy. Yep. Or you see um, you see they do demo something with something else, but it's not it's got one of the other problems you described, like either the microphone screwed up or it's low production value, or they'll a test something, and then they talk about it for two minutes, and then they B test. Yep. And the reason, and reason why that's important is there's um 
there's actually research been done on this. And the way that the human brain works and the way that you perceive sound, like after 10 seconds, you're fucked. Yeah. I mean, unless you re- have really good ears and you've really like trained yourself for it, you're not going to hear the difference between A-B testing. No. Honestly, Scott's Honor, my Mark V, I, for the longest time, thought I was insane that be- because of this effect, that when I had my guitar amp at one and had my guitar amp at four, that there was a difference in tone. I mean, I thought it was nuts. I was like, there's no way it's really that different. And now yeah. I'm starting. No, it is totally different. It, absolutely, it absolutely is. Uh-huh. And, it, and it, it's just like, it's my brain saying, look, your, your, your mind is playing tricks on you. It's really not different. You're just, you're just being stupid about it. But no, it is. It is absolutely different. In fact, if I mic yeah. it up right now and I did it, you, we'd be able to put hear the clips back to back and you know the difference. That's what uh, we're doing the string challenge. And that's what the whole string challenge is predicated upon yeah. is the fact that until you can hear these strings back to back to back, you're not going to be able to tell there's a difference. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing. Um, having uh, some of these guys, some of these folks that do YouTube uh, demos do a great job of where you'll hear one solo and they'll have within the solo. They yeah, switch. they have a, or they have a loop pedal running and they're switching with a loop pedal. And yeah. those, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. It is. Um, along with that, though, you got to make sure that the clips are short enough that when you do the switch, Right, you're hearing the same articulation within that ten seconds because otherwise you're going to be like, eh, was it slightly quieter? Was it slightly louder? Yeah, and there, there's going to be questions, you know. Um, but the thing is, Jim, once you get down to that level where you're abing things, and like the difference is three percent or four percent, you're like, man, I really like that one better because it sounds five percent better. Is it, it, does it matter? Well, does it even matter at that point? Let's even get to this thing. What does everybody say about somebody's tone? Where does it come from? You always hear this. It's in my fingers. Tone is my in the tone fingers. is from my crotch. All right. It comes from my gut. Right. Comes from my wiener. Wiener, no. wiener, wiener. Yeah, okay. All right. See, so, she's right. If you if you have all right. So if you have um, the fact that your t- your tone is going to be different from my tone, I can pick up your rig and I will sound different. You, yeah, we can well, we can agree on that. But it's yes. because I have a different way of picking. I have a different way of, you know, bending. It's right. technique, not tone. That's that's exactly <laughs> right, and that is now we're going to get everybody set off the group because we're going down that we're going down that road. But but I will say this. So and and you're right. But here's the thing: it goes right back to what you said in the beginning. If you pick up, um, if you do a demo of a pedal, and I do a demo of a pedal. Mine's going to be with a Hughes and Kettner into a red box, into um, a focus right into my laptop. Um, and it'll be um, Ableton Live. I will have a Paul Reed Smith or an ESP or a Les Paul or this Ibanez over here yeah. or one of these others. So there's a ton of variables there. Exactly. I will have um, my cable. My cables are Boss cables, which nice. I'm sure somebody ma- built them for Boss, but they're Boss yeah. cables, braided cables, and um, uh, you know, so I'm gonna have my my um, noise suppressor has all the other pedals in a loop inside right. the noise suppressor loop, with the exception of the uh, delay, the only one that's not in the loop. Um, so, in other words, it's a system, and therefore my system, your system. And the person that goes to purchase its system can be completely different. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why 
So that's why I try not to poo-poo on people's gear. Because I don't know what you're doing with it. Right. For one thing, who am I to judge what you're going to do with it? Like, maybe that's a thing for you, and you get by with it. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to the fact that you could be using a completely different rig and going for the same thing and do it just as well as I do. Exactly. And and it's, right, and it's a completely different system. You know, who, you know who's a perfect example of this, Jim? Steve Stevens. Oh, using, yeah. Using Supros yep. in an overdrive pedal. And Golden Guitars is doing kind of what you're doing right now with your Hughes and Kettner yep. and the pedals on your board. And that, that shit's nothing alike. Now, isn't doesn't Steve Stevens also play Framus? Uh, I think he's a Golden he, guy. Is he Golden? Yeah, I don't think Steve Stevens is a Framus guy. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Company. I know he was Golden for a long time. I thought he was playing something, not Framus. What's the one that nobody could afford? Nags. He has Nags, Oh, uh, yeah, too. he has Nags now, too. Yeah. Yes. And nags, nobody can afford nags, so don't worry about it. That's beside the point. I mean, we're talking Paul Reed Smiths are cheap compared to a, a, a low end nag. Yeah, he still does play his Godins. Yep. Uh, but yeah, he's he's a nags guy now. Yeah, I know he has Godins. Who, who wouldn't be if they're going to give you some free ones? I know, especially when they're like six thousand dollars. And I think the I low end, had, he had three of them, and he got they all got stolen. Oh no! They broke in his house and stole his nag. I think I think a low end nag is what three grand, three and a half grand. Oh, they're more than that, Jim. Really? I think yeah. it starts at four thousand. Four thousand. Yeah. I know that because they're all. This. So if you guys don't know, nags is uh, former PRS employees who got pissed off because Paul wouldn't make the guitars they were designing. Yep. So they took all their designs and went and started their own company. Yeah. Is that really what happened? Yes. I knew it was, I knew it was something like that. Yeah, you uh, the, they they were inter- one of the founders of Nags was interviewed over on uh, um, what's Call the other? Up. No, he was interviewed on uh, Amps and Axes. Amps and Axes, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just want to give a shout out to Amps and Axes. Um, yeah, they got good good content over there. I, they, 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 do. they don't know us, but I would highly recommend that show for people who are interested. I should have stopped by there while I was in Baltimore. That high, I just didn't yeah. have time. I, for a while, was wanting to buy one of um, Jump Over's amps, but I don't know. So if I was going to buy one, I'd probably buy an old uh, Buddha. Is he but. still doing that? Is he still doing the amp? He's got, yeah, no, he's got his amp company um, that he's still running, and, and uh, they actually just changed their line. They went from being, like, more classic amps to, and I think they were working with, like, Jason Sedidas or somebody like that, and they yeah. developed this, like, metal amp. So I think according to something I'd heard, he's like the, the godfather of the low wattage amp. They say he's the godfather of the low wattage amp, but you know, Leo Fender's the godfather of the low wattage amp because people were playing champs all throughout long history. Before, yeah. Long before he started making twin masters and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, Rickenbacker was the beginning of electric guitar. Um, although it wasn't guitars, it was that saucer looking that you frying mean the pan solid, looking you mean the solid body electric guitar, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that yeah. frying pan looking Hawaiian um, thing, lap steel type thing, but whatever the hell that thing was. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Um, so, yeah, we should talk about weird guitars because I'll tell you if there if there's any um, guitar that's weird, one of these days we should talk about uh, like um, Junior Brown. You ever seen that thing Junior Brown plays? He yeah. plays a two neck guitar, but he calls it a git steel. So he's yeah. got a um, he's got a steel guitar. Um, Slung around his neck with like a um, Stratocaster or Telecaster type top, and yeah. then a straight up steel guitar bottom. That's just that's a screwed up instrument. You know who I think plays screwed up instruments, and everybody's gonna probably poo poo me for this, but uh, Lindsey Buckingham. 
Yeah, yeah, there's nothing. What the fuck is that thing? That thing. In, in anybody else's hands, I would laugh at it. It looks yeah. like a little toy guitar. It just no, well, no, like, not only that, but the pickup spins and all that. Yeah. Like, it's weird. It's a weird damn guitar, it's that's a, all I'm saying. Who makes it? Thompson or... I don't know offhand. I don't know offhand. Uh, I know that they you can buy them and they're really expensive. Yeah, uh, but we're getting we're getting off track there. Want, but, unless you're doing a lazy fucking damn tribute. But the thing is that that when you think about your guitars, your amps, your pedals, and everything, it is a system. And every time you make a change in that system, however slight, you might think, "Wow, my my rig sounds great." And then you go out and you say, "Okay, I want to buy X pedal." Let's say it's a fuzz pedal or a dirt pedal. That is definitely going to change the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. End to end. I I obsess over over little details like picks, strings. Um, I have done numerous pick shootouts with actual like back to back recordings, uh, strings. Yep. Um, At the end of this th- string challenge, we should really talk about which set we liked best. Yeah, it's funny because like not. Not uh, money I wise. I can't say which ones you like. No, it's funny because of the way it worked out. Like, yeah, me too. I can't say anything, but yeah. Um. So. Yeah. All right. So, uh, strings, picks, uh, not strap locks. I don't think that shit matters for tone. Let me ask you uh, something. Okay, so tuners, tuners make tuners a difference. Make a difference. I use a TU three. Not not your. Pedal tuner, oh, oh, like oh your yeah, your tuners, yeah, tuner your tuners on a guitar. But your pedal yeah, tuner yeah. does make a difference if it's buffered. Right, and whether it's buffered. That's what I was thought you were getting at, was I use a buffered tuner. Yeah, no, that's a huge thing, too. Um, but, like, those are the little things that you can get lost in the minutia yep. and, like, lose sight of the big picture. For example, a lot of people don't ever change the speaker in their amp. And it's like, you're you're mad because your, your Fender sounds too American, and then you're like, you're going to go buy a Marshall, and you're going to be pissed off because it doesn't sound American enough. And it's like, just put a, get a fucking deluxe reverb and put yeah. a green back in it. And I, I, I guarantee you it's going to be a whole different world. Who's you know? the one that makes the Patriot speaker? Is that em- um, Eminent? That's Eminence. Eminence, yeah. I happen to like Eminent speakers. I know Eminent like speakers people. are really good. Uh, I have no dislike for them. I had a Cannabis Rex in my uh, Rivera R30, um, and I, I love that thing. Yeah, Very like good to- smoky jazz speaker. Yeah, there's they make a thing called the Patriot that I want to say it's called Patriot. Patriot. Yeah, Patriotic. those are their that's their British yes. sounding line, and they yep. all have their Celestian equivalents. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is which is funny when you think about it. Like, why are there not more companies that produce guitar loudspeakers that have had like more success? So I can name the three or four brands like off the top of my head, but. I don't want to get into that in this episode. That's that's the thing for another episode. Like the main thing is that we don't we don't think about the things that actually really do matter as much as we do like the little stupid stuff that we can change, you know, frequently. Yeah, so like strings, sure. picks, stuff like that. Um just change your speaker. It's it, hell, it'll it'll cost you less than changing out your tubes. Yeah. In most so cases. If we look at guitar companies, right? Yeah, a lot of guitar companies. When you look at amp companies, how many of them are the same? You got Fender. Fender makes both, right? Right. You got Paul Reed Smith. They make both. Uh-huh. Ibanez does to an extent, right? Yes, but their their amps are not as successful. No, and they, and they're less accessible as a result. Sure. Line Six does, but I think they're more known for their amp emulators than they are for their. When I guitar. say amps, their guitars it, definitely. They're seen as more of a gimmick company even now. I mean. It, <laughs> So I reached out to, um, I'm not going to 
drop any names, but I reached out to somebody who professionally plays in line six Variax, um, a JT single cut type thing. And I, okay. I, first of all, if you look at the, at the, um, James Tyler, right? Not Taylor, Tyler. Hey, Tyler, yeah. I'm actually going to try one of those out when I'm at Sweetwater. So, yeah. The, so, those guitars, which, by the way, I, I'm still. So, the James Tyler guitar, he's playing a single cut version. He loves it. And I asked him, I said, So, how is that holding up in the tour you're on right now? Because he's, he's like every night, you yeah. know, tens of thousands of people. Um, it, Sold out stadiums. I want to get him on the show, so I don't want to drop any names because I want to get him uh, to talk. Well, Tyler, to Tyler guitars are well thought of, so yeah, I don't it, know how that incorporates down to the line six stuff. But 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 that's just it. It's line six, very X, right? Right. And that's and, and so he's playing a very X through a um, wirelessly through a uh, um, and I'm not sure. Can you? So here's the question I have because you would know this one. I would if you got a line six very X and You've got if you're going if you're going wireless, you can't. You have to have a wired what, connection for that. You have to have wired connection to control. Yeah, your, and I forget what it is. No, I think it's a. I think it's an XLR. So I mean, I I suspect you could probably do it with an XLR plug, but I don't. So I don't know. Not what's. even so. What, Line Six hasn't come up with a way to control their own guitars from with the with their own wireless system. The problem is when you plug in that that Variax controller cable, it actually charges the Variax. Yes, it does. So only if you're using a direct quarter inch out. So that that's that's kind of the like added bonus. But I for just most know of the guys, six end to end guys killing it and uh, great guitars. And I know that uh, the guy from uh, Doobie Brothers is doing the same thing. There's a bunch of people that are playing him. Uh, well, Richie Castellano. He doesn't have to carry a banjo. He just switches it to banjo. Plays banjo. Yeah, well, I mean, I, that's kind of what I want it for because you can do all kinds of crazy stuff like there's sitar sounds in there, and um, but again, I'm not, I'm not invested enough in that to justify the purchase of the guitar for it. I need to see it and play it and find out if it's as good a guitar as like you know an equivalent from another brand like an Ibanez or something like that before I would before so, I pull the trigger. And good luck finding one in a retail store now. So. What a Tyler. The, 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 yeah, the very axis in general, oh, yeah. like very axis at all, at all, anywhere. You're you're going to special order that, and that's yep. a tough one because you're special ordering something. It's not like, all right, you special order a Kiesel. You're special ordering it's a gimmick, kind of right. That's what I'm saying. You special order a Kiesel. That's a guitar. You could kind of you know that the guitar is going to work with your system. It's going to work in your system, but uh, Tyler. Uh, 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 Variax. I don't know. I just I don't know if I could I could make that purchase. So moving along, so, it, the first time I oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. So can you tell? Obviously, you can hear the difference when you're playing a James Tyler Variax. You can turn hear the difference. That's what this is all about. Can I hear the difference? Um, you know, but if you're in, if you're playing to fifteen thousand people. 10,000 people in a stadium and you're most of your tone is coming through all those hanging speakers that are in the place right yeah you're calling PA and nine times out of ten the sound in these places suck because what was set up there um, maybe even six hours before you got on stage yeah like a basketball game yeah basketball game or hockey game or whatever right so do you really need your your stuff 
set up in the background. I mean, um, we all know the Brad Paisley, right? Brad Paisley is is yeah. an incredible guitar. Player. He has every Doctor Z known to man on stage with him. <laughs> Just saying. He does. He he's got every single model on stage with him. It's unbelievable. And, so, and it's part of his stage set. He's only got one of them on, you know. <laughs> That's why you're sitting there kicking yourself. You're like, yeah, and he has this, there. It's a guy who's running one. I feel sorry for the roadies that have to bring out this like train. It's like it looks like a little train of amps. This it's fun. it's all on wheels. Fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. You got to get them on and off those wheels. I'm telling you right yeah. now. It's hard. Yeah. Well, they may just set the casters right in the floor. Probably. It, it, they probably do. I wouldn't be surprised to find out half of them were empty. But the thing oh, is, it wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, they, we're we're looking at this. Um, when when do you draw that line? When do you say, okay, you know what, I can live without my amp? Obviously, Brad Paisley cannot live without his amps. No, right. And uh, actually, we, that may change, Jim, because because Doctor Z is doing their own profiles of their amps for the Kemper. And if they do that. Can it, I mean, can you imagine a lot somebody like doing, Paisley yeah. doing that? And I'll tell you, well, Keith Urban, same way. Keith Urban is, um, matter of fact, you know, um, some of the stuff I saw, he kind of pisses, I, I'm not saying in a bad way, but he kind of pisses his guys off because it's like, one night it's like, oh, I want this rig. Now I want this rig. Yeah, that, then they got to go get it from storage and three states away or whatever. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Paisley, he, so with Dr. Z, all these other companies, Jeff Bober, for example, is also doing uh, his own Kemper profiles that you could buy. Um, And I don't know what these Kemper profiles are going for. Um, They might be fairly expensive. But the thing is, like, they're also realizing that people don't necessarily want to spend, you know, three grand on their amp if they can get similar sounds out of a digital piece of gear to get them in the ballpark. And for somebody like Brad Paisley, I mean, with the amount of money he spends touring— yeah, okay, so let's be honest. He's making insane amounts of money. He's probably one of the richest performers there is right now. And, I mean, every time I, I, I've seen him before, and it, it, the place is packed. I mean, just wall-to-wall people. And, you know, he's he's sold every ticket, 40 bucks ahead. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of sitting there going, you know what? If he wants to bring out his amps and his roadies want to carry it, but I almost wonder if at some point he doesn't do the same thing and kind of flip back and go, you know what? I can sell the same amount of tickets and spend less money on road crew if I just get a couple of Kempers. Yeah, I can't imagine. I, I'm trying to think, you know, so a guy like that could just go to where he had uh, um, one guitar tech. I'm pretty sure he'd I'm still sure. be using Dr. Z cabs on stage, and, though. Yeah. But, and then go they over to... They may not be running. <laughs> yeah. And then go over to... Um, uh, so he'd have, a, he'd have a guitar tech... Um, and he wouldn't have to buy tubes. Ever, uh, you know, how many tubes do you think he goes to? A, uh, um, oh, I can't even imagine because they're because a lot of the Doctor Z stuffs EL eighty four based, yep. and as we know, EL eighty fours run really hot. Yep. And I mean, they just, like so. Put it in perspective, like you got Brian May, he runs twelve AC thirties on stage. He runs six at a time because he blows up half of them every night. Yeah. And so, if you think about, um, let's say, four or five hundred dollars in tubes. You got strings. He's probably constantly changing his strings. But I'm just saying. I'm not saying that it, this is a this is a financial burden for Brad Paisley. No, I mean for for twenty tickets, he's going to pay all that stuff. So yeah. it's not. But I'm just saying, you know, yeah. But when when you think about it, so um, one of the things that uh, uh, to put in perspective, um, so David Gilmore was talking about how much it cost to put on one of his shows. This was 
probably 12 years. It was $65,000 a night. That's cheaper than I thought it would be. Well, talking about $65,000 a night put on this his show. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, I'm not saying that's the rigs. That's the right. That's the light rig. That's the music rigs. That's the musicians that he has to hire. That's the. I would have assumed that number would have been higher. I, w- I would assume because the skill level of the technicians and stuff, that, that number would have been higher. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. So here's a guy that, that was doing it, you know, and that was, like I said, probably early 2000s. And Talk we all know that. David Gilmore's rigs are insane. Uh, if you yeah. don't believe me, go look at gilmores.com. Uh, yeah. They have pretty much the complete archive of everything he's ever used there. Um, yeah, because some there are stuff people who are... Straight nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so... so Here's the thing. Would Gilmore be able to play through Kemper Profile? I think because of Gilmore's age and proximity to the music, like and the way that he's been doing it over the years, I don't think he can get away from a high watt with WEM cabs. Yeah. I, I just don't think he could. It's not a it's not a question of choice. I think for him, like that's the way that he plays and he's been doing it so long. You know, Brad Paisley probably the same thing, but it just depends on how close the Kemper is. And the thing is, like, you're not gonna get high watt, you know, Matt Reeves from High Watt. Back, you know, in the the sixties and seventies when those heads were built, like making profiles of his heads, right? Absolutely, it's just not going to happen. Uh, and that's the thing. Like, at least Doctor Z gets the quality control to say, "No, this is what I want this to sound like. Like, this is how the head is supposed to sound." And that that comes into the practicality of everything, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you if you look at um, the the state of where we are, and everybody's talking about the state of change. A lot of gear is chasing old stuff. Yeah, I mean, at, hell. If you look at sure, sewer guitars, sewer guitars wouldn't exist if Fender didn't. They would I, not exist. They would not exist in the, in the way that they are. Sure. Anderson guitars. Anderson, sure. Right? Tom Anderson? Yeah, yeah. Guitars wouldn't exist if Fender guitars. And um, obviously we, have, we won't see the sewer... Uh, Les Paul copies for another year, but yeah, at minimum, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that that here we are. We're looking at um, okay. We look at uh, all this stuff from Harley Benton from the the whole Gear University thing. Yeah, those are all just knockoffs. Are Paul Reed Smith knockoffs? Les Paul knockoffs? Yeah, varying degrees Strat- of knockoff. Right, right. Knock-off. So, so this is what. So this is where you talk about chasing tails. Um, some guys go down that vintage path, and the problem with me going down the vintage path would be that I would be chasing that special 1969 Deluxe Reverb, you know? Okay. Like, the one that's special. Not just the one, like, the one that sounds better. And so, for me, like, I could see going down that rabbit hole with everything, from guitars to amps to, you know, to effects, and, like, that, you're just getting into crazy territory there. So, my thing is, we got all these guys today either boutique or otherwise, who are building the equipment just like they did back then. That's readily available. It's more reliable. It I'm sounds gonna, 95% of the way there. I'm going to say something that will piss people off. Oh, go for it, Jim. I, I love it when you piss people off. We're chasing a tone that never existed. I'm going oh, yeah, no. to make that statement. You know why I'm no. saying that? Uh, yes. Why? Because all of that stuff happened at the board. In, right in 1969, we we're create. There, there was this tone, this magic tone. We all think that Hendrix sounded like, and most 
I'm not saying everybody, but most of these people chasing this tone never heard Hendrix live. They are listening to the result of one other thing in that system, and that is the mix, and that is the mic placement, as the mic choice, and that is the board, and that board was a Nev, or it was, is it Nev or Neve? Neve, it's Neve, Rupert Neve. Um, Yeah, and uh, um, all this other stuff that was in place long ago. If you're tracing the Beatles tone, you don't know what the Beatles sounded like unless you were standing in that room. So, I I agree and I don't. Okay? So, I, I do agree that a lot of what we hear and we perceive as, and, and the vast majority of us as guitarists is like the recorded sound, right? Um, it's been mastered, it's been mixed, it's it's been processed at the board. Um, the problem is I think that some people make the assumption that uh, you're necessarily chasing a specific sound off a record, and that's not necessarily always the case. Um, but the other, but the other component here is that there were people that saw him, and there probably were people that saw him that are into the vintage gear today. I'm 100 sure, but there are less and less people every day. Well, I, I, no I'll give you this: to, no offense, they to don't the, have um, anything. Anybody they don't have anything about it, but if people die every single day. They don't have anything to remind them of what it sounded like when right. they saw it, though. So it's an idea. It, it instantly becomes an idealized memory. And if you can say with a straight face earlier in this same podcast that, hey, 10 seconds after you hear something and you That's hear what I'm something saying. else, you can't make that discernment. Can you hear the difference? Now, here's the other thing we as human beings, our ears, our hearing changes as we yes. get older. Our perception changes as we get older. So the fact that Hendrix was around, I was five, six years old. He died. He died in nineteen seventy. Like seventy one, I think. Was it seventy or seventy one? September. Yeah. Um, so if if you take that, I was 19, a kid. You know, you're correct. Nineteen seventy, September eighteenth. Okay. So he died. I was six years old. All right. My six year old hearing. And perception of sound and guitar is different from my 50-year-old perception of sound and guitar. And so, and you, no offense, never heard him live. And you can only go on what you've heard on DVDs, can only go on what you've heard on recordings. And the things that are also in the way are the things that you listen back on. I don't care if you're saying, yeah, yeah no, that's... I listen to it in studio flat response speakers. I'm just no, saying. No, still that, not. Right. Accurate. It's not 100% accurate. So we're chasing a tone that in re- all reality doesn't really exist. This is where I get, the, this is where I'm going with somewhere with this. So at the end game, somebody, somebody at line six says, I got it. I locked it in. It's in the helix. Here it is. And Don't it doesn't understand. sound the same as what you perceive it to be. And it doesn't sound the same to the, to the person. It, it all right. Sound. All right. I'll give you all this. What's to say that it's wrong to chase the tone off a, off a CD? I didn't say it was wrong. What I'm saying is that we're chasing a tone to come out of that. It comes out of, I don't have a, a mic here. A mic thing, you know. A speaker. Um, so, so it, it, okay, so now I'm going to go back to all the way around. I'm coming all the way around because we're at 43 minutes, so I'm coming way, way around. So if I'm a kid, I go... I'm buying a guitar. 
it doesn't necessarily have to be a kid, be an adult, buying their first instrument. Go to buy it, sit down, go to play it. Don't sound like their hero. So instantly, what do they do? What's the first thing they go after? Well, usually they quit. <laughs> wow. There is that. The person who's persistent starts buying the gear that their hero. Right, right. That, that somebody said their hero played, which may or may With, not be true. We, may, we all know that. Uh, Hendrix didn't use big muffs, people. Right. <laughs> and, it, it, you, know, or, you know, the fuzz face that you're getting is not the fuzz face, you know. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> and so what we... We also forget, there's a lot of things we forget. Um, power company was different back then. Wiring was different back then. Most places didn't have ground back then. I mean, we're looking at, at all these weird things. That, that Yeah, we're now in the munition. We're out in the sticks, people. That's right. We're, I'm way in the weeds. But, but my point is, that kid, that 50-year-old, whatever it is that's sitting down and playing guitar for the first time... They're remembering the sound that they just heard on that CD or that recording or the worse yet YouTube video. Oh, good God! Could you imagine, Jim? We were just we were just presupposing that somebody might make it. You know, what it to sound like it did on the CD? Could you imagine if somebody wanted to sound like it did on YouTube? Exactly. <laughs> I'm chasing that tone that, that Hendrix had, and then I'm reminded of the scene in um, Charlie Brown, uh, the Christmas. Um, thing where it, um uh lucy asks him to play jingle bells and he plays plays this beautiful rendition of jingle yeah. bells. no no not that jingle bells you know jingle bells you know ho 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 and this thing thing and then he plays a more simple version and then she goes no 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 you know pretty girls and then he goes tink 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 she goes that's it and it's that's the thing some people don't know real art. Right. And so, it, and I'm not putting anybody down. Please don't take this wrong. I'm not putting people down, but it comes down to perception. So if you're, I come right back to the fact that when you go to hit a YouTube video and you listen to Tom Quayle, who's a, an incredible musician, by the way, obviously, Tom Quayle's um, thing, you may be listening to it through flat response studio monitors and i'm sitting here listening to it through my bluetooth um uh um uh, lansing you know you can drop it in the water and it sinks six feet and it's still yeah. fine yeah. speak right and so who's right nobody's right it's I'm just right. right it's just a perception so you might say to me man that fucking and and it goes right back to just recently. What did we hear? We heard the Yanny, and what was oh, the wrong? God, what was the wrong one? I'm not, I wrong? refuse to say it. So it bullshit. Laurel was it? Laurel, Laurel Yanny. The guy Tell said he said course. Laurel, and and they came to find out that the reason was that people who perceive, and it was probably because part part of it is what you're listening to it through. People who perceived higher notes heard Yanny. People who perceived lower heard Laurel. That's true. You know what I heard? Fuck I heard, you. I heard go piss up a rope. But that's yeah. beside the point. Actually, I heard nah, nah. That's actually what I heard. Nah, nah. Yeah, yeah. My, 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 my wife's listening to this, and I'm like, what the fuck are you listening to? It sounds like satanic rituals or something. Yeah, I heard Yanny every time. 
So that means that some of my low end hearing is gone, or I wasn't listening to it through speakers that had low end, and I didn't care enough to bother. Yeah, I agree. But that's no. I mean, but that goes to what we're talking about. Sure, it, sure. Talking about, can you hear the difference? Yeah, your ears. So I. So the one thing people people I don't even know if we can research this, but um, everybody has different varying levels of frequency response loss right. at both ends of the spectrum. Some That's people right. can't perceive notes below a certain point. Some people can't perceive notes higher in a certain point. Right. And you can take a hearing test. You can get a hearing test app on your phone. And I'll tell you, the uh, the hearing test app on your phone is limited by the range of your speaker, number yep. one. But in general, you will find out that some people can hear like a freaking dog and some people can't. And I've always wondered if there was varying levels of how we perceive the mid-range where everybody can hear. Right. And that's, um, there's one other thing, and that is the, that is where you are in your listening, le- you're learning to listen. You're right. learning. Sure, so, and that changes a lot. We so. go back to that, way back to that guy that said, my unicorn sounds just as good as anything I've ever heard. No. <laughs> well, no. So it's it it's might because, it as good as no. He's not lying. It's anything he's ever heard. So it's all about his perception of the right. situation. And and yes, I, I I concur completely. Perception defines everything. But I also think that so we were talking about the recording thing before. If you take all the recordings of Jimi Hendrix, right, and you listen and you study them all and you commit them to memory, you get some sort of because he's because they're all done differently. You're going to get at the end of it some sort of amalgamation of how, that you can form of what he sounded like, right? It's not going to be from one instant or a three second clip of one song. It's going to be from this is from start to finish the entire catalog of Hendrix. And like you could tell kind of what he would have liked, so not necessarily now, what he sounded like, but you have right. an amalgamation. So now is it really about his tone? Or can we say that the tone is in the fingers in that his playing style was in his fingers and that in reality, our perception of his tone was because of the style. He That's put. absolutely why people still argue about, about uh, the tone is in the fingers thing. Look, your fingers really don't sound any different than the next guys unless you've had them chopped off like Tony Iommi or something like that. Um, they don't. They don't. They're not going to. But the thing is, the way that you approach the instrument and just using the different parts of the pad of your finger do make you sound different. Right? Right. Right. So, And whether you grow your nails out, so on and so forth. And it it comes into how sloppy you are in your playing, too. Yes. You you ever seen that, you know, like, I try, and God knows I do screw it up sometimes. Let's say a lot of times. But I work real hard on making sure I'm muting the strings I don't want to ring. Because how many yeah. times do you bend into a string, and then when you release that bend, the string you bent into rings? You didn't want that. It was it was like 10, 10 to 15 years. Well, I've been playing 18 years or something now, 20 years. It was about 10 years ago, 15, between 10 and 15 years ago. I, I recorded myself doing a solo. I tried to do it in one take. And I heard all these strings ringing out the entire time I did it. Yep. And I'm, I, I wasn't embarrassed, but I just like, why is this happening? 
I don't understand because like most of the stuff I did, like I never noticed it, but it just for whatever reason I was looking for for, for perfection that day, yep. and then that's when I went on this journey to learn to mute everything. Yes, and I use both hands. I use anything I can to make sure that I'm muting those strings. But you know what? Sometimes Jim, the best way to go about it is to hit those notes. Like if you're gonna over, if you're gonna push into that next string, rake it. Yeah, rake because <laughs> that's what you want. Yeah. <laughs> You put some personality in it. Yep. And and that's the thing. Use it to your advantage. And you'd watch, I'd watch, the thing I loved about Stevie Ray Vaughan, watching Stevie Ray Vaughan, wasn't so much, I'm not a big Stevie Ray Vaughan fan. Not. I'm sorry, guys. I know everybody's a guitar player. How many guitar so- players does it take to play a Stevie Ray song, a Stevie Ray Vaughan song? Apparently all of them. It's that old joke. Well, but before but, Stevie Ray, it was Jimi Hendrix, and yeah, before, before Jimi the, Hendrix, it was, it was you Eric Clapton, Buddy, and, yeah, no, Buddy probably, Holly, uh, and um, Henry, yeah. uh, or not Henry, um, Hanker. Hank, Hank uh, Marvin. Hank Marvin, thank you. The thing that, well, Hank Marvin was begot from, I guess it was, it was uh, Buddy Holly first, then Hank Marvin, yeah. then, you know. Hendrix. Yeah, I mean, there's been this evolution of, like, everybody wants to sound like this one person that already came before. Right. But anyway... The thing that, that amazed me about him, uh, other than the fact that he was still better than me even when he was stoned and puking on stage, <laughs> I hate that, um, is that... Ever had a bad night? No. Um, is that Stevie Ray Vaughan had the sloppiest right-hand technique and somehow made it sound incredible. That was well, the thing that, that was the trick, wasn't it? Yeah. Because it wasn't the muting. He was muting a lot, yeah. but he used that to his advantage. He played loud, clean Fender amps, as loud as he could get them, so that when he would get that that thing where he would pick through two or three notes and rake, like, you'd feel it. <laughs> like, it was not, it was all a style thing. And that's the, that's the incredible, uh, uh, what's the word I want? That's where I learned to do it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I learned to use it to my advantage because I was hearing him, and I'm like, well, shit, he made this work. How, why can't I do that? He's not, he's one of my favorite players, but he's not one of my idols. Like, I never tried to sound like him. Right. I was always chasing Robin Trower and Hendrix and other guys, you know. For um, me, David Gilmore was the one that was the one. Gilmore, I would, too. I would a, watch him list. and go, how is this? He is constantly fucking with his, with his volume knob, just. Yeah, yeah, his, yeah. his hand goes over that volume knob consistently. If you watch him play a solo, I don't think he can get through four bars of a solo without hitting his volume knob. You know, the funny thing about this is like you really don't hear the variations in volume in his play. I, and I don't. I don't. He's like, he's like, I'm he's like, it. like yeah, the, the truth is, he doesn't even have a volume knob. It's just this little like it's like a like a ball bearing, and he's just moving just it, just playing with it. it. Just give his <laughs> his hand something to do. Up, you know? <laughs> if there's if there's three things I take away from Gilmore's playing, it's the volume knob thing. He's obviously getting something out of his tone with it. Yeah, I, I think it's more of a. But the I don't think it's volume, right? I think it's more about what we talked about earlier, where if you're high on the neck or you're low on the neck, where where he's yeah. Playing with that, um, so it's a volume knob, his um, fretting technique and and um, picking technique. He rakes all the time, constantly. He's a raker, and he has some high fucking action too. Oh my god, yes. 
And the other one is his, his uh, he, he cuts his, his whammy bar, his uh, trouble bar. Yeah, he cuts them down, right? Really small. And yet, constantly uses it. Constantly yeah, uses well, that's that because thing. he... So when, you're, when your action's that high, it's a lot harder to do vibrato. <laughs> I know. And so he uses that, that, that thing because he's he even a minute, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, my technique, the way I play, um, this is him talking, saying that, yeah, I, I have to use, you know, I use my, my uh, tremolo arm. But he just gets his pinky around it. He just grabs it with his pinky and he just, he knows exactly yeah. how much. And it's so, very s- subtle, but it's, it's incredible. So as we're ending here, yeah. Um, the the player because you're talking about this multiple control thing that goes on. Right. The player that I think of when you talk about that is Steve Vai, and that motherfucker will have a pinky wrapped around the the volume knob, yep. his hand on top of the whammy bar, yep. a pick in his hand, and using all three simultaneously. Yep. The other guy that's known for it is Steve Morse, who yeah. will wrap his pinky not around the volume knob, but the tone control. I know, right? Right? <laughs> and wawa effects with it. Who does? The that? guy's fucking insane. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And he uses um, he uses uh, his Steve Morse signature, and then he had that 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 Frankenstein tally that was the same thing. And I don't think he actually even turned the control plate around. That's that's what's killer. Like lots of guys will turn the control plate around. Yep. Uh, you know, no, he did, he did, but his, but his tone control is still, even on telly when it's turned backwards, your tone control, cause he flipped yep. them, it's still far away. And that's what, that's well, what, me, yeah. A guy like Jeff Beck is another one that, that I am not yeah. a big Jeff Beck fan. But, so he doesn't use the, he doesn't use the bar as much as he uses nope. a palm on the right, bridge. On the bridge. It's even more. Out. Oh yeah. No, I, there there are guys that can emulate him. Mark Letary is really good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other players that can do that kind of playing. But like that's once you get into the and we've talked about this. Once you get into the weeds like that, you're chasing the Jeff Beck wagon, and you're gonna destroy your playing for other people. That's right. Unless you're you know frequently devoting time to others. But I've seen people do that where they chase it like they want to be Eddie Van Halen so hard that like you ask them to play. Um, uh, like a uh, like a whole lot of love or something, and they're like, I can't, I can't really do that now because yeah. all I can do is you know, like, uh, um, run it with the devil. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, it's weird. Um, I I tried to stay out of the weeds like that. So, so here's our here's our closing arguments, so to speak. Um, as we're coming to to our hour, is this? You know, we go back to our last um podcast which was that we were trying not to buy gear for a year yes i think that you can get more out of using the gear you have and manipulating it to play if you look at david gilmore david gilmore bought a a strat um because hank marvin used a strat yeah a lot of guys in in england who had strats for that reason mark knopfler mark knopfler they had um, to have a red strat. That's right, because Hank Marvin played a red strat. Yeah, they weren't yeah. even worried about all the other stuff that went along with it. And so you take you take these guys, um, and like you said, Mark Knopfler, Richie Get, um, Blackmore, um, uh, Eric Clapton. So these these people were there. They had limited people. That, well, why did they, they chose Fenders because Fenders were so great? They chose Fenders because it was. 
Fenders, and then there was Burns, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right? Was it Burns? Right. Was the other and, company? And the bursts. So the birth of the bursts happened because they were in pawn shops. Yes. Les Pauls didn't sell that well. Right. And so you you take um yeah the birth of the burst was the whole you know um, fading. I could get that guitar cheap. <laughs> yeah, uneven fading of the guitar. Yeah. And so um we we. We have to remember, can you really, that's, that's the whole crux of this, can you really hear the difference? And are we really hearing what we think we were hearing? I know I'm yeah. not. I know, I'm 100% sure I'm not. Oh, I, I mean, being the studio side of the show, uh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree, Jim. I, I don't think, I, aside from the amalgamation mar- argument I made earlier, which is to like understand that this is the style of sound they were after. Yep. Honestly, you can't tell what they sound like. Like I, having seen enough guitar players live, and they hear them in the studio using the same rig, and you're like, "This is nothing like what they sound like." What the hell are they doing? Yeah, which is um, why so many bands would get in the studio and go, "We don't sound anything like we do live." Why is this? And right. then you get this producer, okay, let's bring everybody in. We're going to mic everything up like this. And everybody with these walls. And, and it turns out none of those guitar players are on the record anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's terrible. Terrible, but uh, true. So, um, next next weekend, uh, we may be a little late next week getting our podcast yeah, out yeah, because um, I've got I'm a graduation to go like to. Hell to have some content ready for Tuesday night, yeah, whether, so. we, whether we do it or not. Right. Uh, I will have video content. I will have, and I'm saying this to commit myself to it. Yep. I will have audio content. I will likely be appearing on other podcasts, um, and I will be at GearFest going down the slide. If you don't know about that, you might want to Google that. Yeah, and, that's, uh, that's got to be cool. <laughs> they have Jim. They have some insane stuff in that place. Yeah, I've been watching right. videos, um, and I will be talking all about it. I'm jealous I want to see because the, we were both going to go. I was super excited to see all the vendors, but you know what? I'm actually excited to see. I want to see their their distribution facility. I want to see how it works because yeah. I've seen pictures of it now, and I'm like, holy shit! I want to see. Uh, I want to talk to people from Sweetwater as many people as I can. I want to talk to vendors. Um, I'm going to try to meet up with Brian Wampler. I'm told that that he's a very personal guy and probably take him out and talk to me. Um, but we probably won't have that kind of content coming back from the show. We're going to have more social based content, and then we're going to try to hook up with with vendors and people I meet after, so that so that we can do better quality interviews and get to ask the questions, and they don't feel stressed and pressured. Because let's face it, if you've ever run one of these events, you know it's a freaking nightmare. Yep. Um, We're also going back to our women in music thing. We've got a women in music uh, interview coming up in the next couple weeks. Um, It it couldn't happen this week because of Father's Day and all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's kind of a surprising (laughs) one. It's different. Yep. Yep. So we're gonna um, we're gonna do a whole bunch of uh, different stuff. We've got uh, different things coming up. So and the video podcast is coming, people. Uh, yep. So if you want to see how ugly Jim and I really are in person, you're gonna be able to see it soon enough. Some of you already know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry to disappoint. Yep. Jim is an ugly motherfucker. <laughs> That's right. So with that, I I am Jim. I'm David. And this has been The Practical Guitarist.